The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Ladies Football Podcast with me, your host, Ger McCarthy. You can follow me on Twitter at at germccarthy74. In this week's episode, we start the build-up to the 2020 TG Carr All-Ireland Ladies Football Championship and get the views of Cork's upcoming opponents from joint Kerry manager Declan Quill. We also speak to Cork LGFA PRO Peter O'Leary about a crazy year both on and off the pitch. We get his views on Cork's upcoming All-Ireland Championship derby with the Kingdom and a wide range of topics. That's all to come on this week's Big Red Bench Ladies Football Podcast. We start by going behind enemy lines to speak to Kerry LGFA Joint Manager Declan Quill. The former Kerrins O'Reilly's and Kerry All-Ireland winning player previews the Kingdom's Championship clash with Cavan. Quill also gives his assessment of Efi Fitzgerald and the 2020 Cork Senior Panel, as well as some strong views on LGFA inter-county players finally being treated like their male counterparts. Okay, absolutely delighted now to be joined uh, on the uh, Cork's Red FM Big Red Bench Ladies Football Podcast by uh, Declan Quill, who's an All-Ireland champion in his own right uh, for the Kingdom many, uh, not too long ago, not say many, many years ago but who is making headlines over the last couple of years with himself and uh, Dara Long as the co-managers or the coaches of the Kerry Senior Ladies Football Team. And this is the coach who's going to be standing across the pitch from Evie Fitzgerald and Paddy O'Shea in a couple of weeks' time when Cork uh, begin their All-Ireland Championship. First of all, Declan, thank you very much for joining us here on the Ladies Football Podcast. Thanks, Ger. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, I'm going to start, like all... I suppose you, you, you probably know like we're very Cork-centric on this podcast. Can you give me and Efi the starting 15 for your team in a couple of weeks' time? Or is that pushing it? Oh, yeah, I look, just send me on Efi's uh, email address there and I, I'll send it down to him directly. Yeah, there'll be no bother. Uh, <laughs> I really, really appreciate that. If <laughs> um, he doesn't give me his email address, so you're safe enough. Um, no, look, no. Um, it's no, like, it's, it's um, yeah. look, something to look forward to in a few weeks' time. Um, but, you know, we've big we've big hurdle on Sunday yet to go, you know, um, Yes. So we've, we've caught kind of put to the back of our mind at the moment. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Obviously, in the group uh, as well, are, are a very dangerous Cavan team and a team that um, I'd imagine you'd have seen and, and read and been reading up on quite a bit over the last while. Um, but just from your own point of view, before that game this weekend against Cavan, the opener, how have preparations gone uh, for Kerry? Because like every other county in the country right now, um, you're dealing with COVID, you're dealing with restrictions, you're dealing with making sure players you know, are getting to training to and from training and safely. How difficult has it been for yourself and Dara, considering I would imagine the Kerry panelist players from all over the county? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, it's 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 been a long year. I suppose if you look back at it, uh, I suppose this time last year we started off in our preseason. You know, we came in as 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 to help out. I suppose during the summer of last year, and um, I suppose we got the job permanently, and we made we made a start this time last year, and um, we did a fantastic preseason, and we're going quite well in the league till everything got shut down and. You know, we kept in contact with the girls through through Zoom and Facebook and things like that, you know, and worked hard over the, the, the lockdown period. But um, since we came back, you know, it it's definitely different. It's it's definitely a lot more challenging. I think it's more challenging for the players. It's more challenging on the, on the management. Um, you know, there's different situations within the panel. We have we have 38 girls training with us. Um, you know, there's all different mixes there. There's girls who are, who are in college. There's girls who are working. There's girls... We're going home after training, you know, to, to parents that are vulnerable and things like that. So um, the whole thing has been, it's been stressful enough at times. Um, but, you know, you'd have to give absolute massive credit to the girls. They're just a fantastic bunch. Um, they've given us absolutely everything since we, since we first came in the door to them. And especially over the last few weeks, you know, um, 
training has gone quite well. Um, we're preparing as best we can. Um, I suppose you'd miss the whole, you know, the bit of banter in the dressing rooms and, and, and things like that, you know, before training and after training. And uh, I think that's a big loss to it. Um, you know, the whole sanitising of everything and trying to keep the distance and no no team huddles and all that. It's, it's very, very unusual from where we were, I suppose, back in, in uh, January, February and March. But, um, you know, that's just the same for everybody. Like you said, um, we're like, we're, we're no different to any other panel. Um, we have girls coming from deep into South Kerry, you know, we've five or six girls coming from there. We've girls from East Kerry, we've girls who are travelling from Cork, you know, to, to come training and everything. So we have to take massive precautions with everybody and to make sure that everybody is, is safe. And the news of COVID and everything. And uh, it's, it's great for their mental health and their fitness and everything. And they, they really just want to be playing. And I think that's, that's the main thing. Indeed, and just as you said, you need to be at your at your best because you're going into a game against Cavan uh, under a manager James Daly, who knows his team inside out. And these Cavan, because of the fact that they're in a group with our, yourselves and Cork, have been looked upon from the outside as the as as underdogs simply because it's Cork and Kerry. But you know, Declan, this is a team that beat Armagh last year. Um, they are no pushover. They're going to be very, very motivated. It's an open championship this year because, like yourselves, everybody's had the difficulties in their preparations. You're dead right not to look beyond them. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, like, I know it's 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 a Cork podcast and everything. And, uh, you know, and I said, look, we haven't even thought about Cork yet. And that's the honest to God truth. Mm-hmm. If you go up beyond Cavan and start looking at Cork and thinking about how we're going to play against Cork and so on, then we're, we're going to be doomed to failure in the first game, really. Um, we played Cavan in the first game of the National League this year, above in Cavan. We scraped out of there with a point victory. Um, and if you look at their team, you know, they didn't have Ashton Sheridan that day. She was over in, in Australia playing uh, in the, the Australian rules. So, I mean, she's a massive, massive plus for them. I think she scored three goals in Killarney in, in the 2019 league. So, I mean, that's what they were missing um, at, at the start of the league this year. Um, they're, they're very good forwards. They're very physical, very fit. You know, um, we haven't looked beyond Kevin. We're, we're just... That's our eye. eye is firmly, firmly on the ball there. And um, if we happen to get over Cavan on, in, uh, in Burr on Sunday, um, we'd be absolutely delighted. And then we'd fully focus on Cork um, for the Saturday afterwards. Um, look, Not looking beyond the Cavan game, can I just ask you in general terms then about Cork? Because I know you know Ify Fitzgerald. I know you know what he's achieved. Um, how impressed with you have you been with that Cork team? Not just, say, last year. But it, they haven't won the Brenda Martin Cup uh, since 2016. And that can be quite a long time for a team of Cork's stature and history and considering what they'd achieved in previous years. But your impression of Ife Fitzgerald, the coach, and your impression of what you've seen of Cork, not just last year, but over the last couple of years? Uh, they've been fantastic. You know, they're, they're the benchmark. They're, they're the, 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 the team in Munster that everyone is looking up to. And not only in Munster, but, you know, if you go back over the last 15, 20 years, they've just been an outstanding uh, ladies football team. Um, they've just come up against very... We all have come up against an absolutely sensational Dublin team over the last couple of years as well, and that's that that just that it just it swings and roundabouts really. Like you know, it, these these things happen, and Dublin are having their their um, they're running at the moment. Um, Efe is an absolutely fantastic coach. You know what he's achieved over the years, and um, you know this this a lot of people have counted Cork out. They're th- they're thinking about Dublin. They're thinking about Mayo. They're thinking about Galway, and Cork seems to be well down the list at the moment. But um, you know, we here in Kerry have massive respect for the Cork ladies. Um, we we consider them right up there as good as Dublin. Uh, we know when we come to play them on on uh, in, on Saturday week that we're going to have a massive, massive challenge in front of us. They have 
fantastic footballers. They have fantastic experience. And like you said, Ify is, is a fantastic manager and um, he's going to get the maximum out of that team on, on, on Saturday week when they come and face us, you know. So we're under no illusions, um, you know, of, of the task that's ahead of us if, if um, number one against Cavan, if we get over that. Um, the, the game against Cork is going to be absolutely huge for our girls, you know, and um, it's just that's the way it is. We're playing second fiddle to Cork for many years in Munster, and um, you know we're just hoping to, to kind of close the gap a small bit and and hopefully, you know, give us give a good count of ourselves on Saturday. We just don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's been since March since we played. I think March the eighth we played our last game against Monaghan. You know, it seems so long ago. We were going so well. Um, it's a whole different situation at the moment. You know. Um, like we just touched on earlier on, you know, there's complications. You know, a lot of panels might have lost girls. You know, it's just it's a very difficult time of year, and to talk, and of course when you're talking about championship, you think usually so long summer evenings. This is in November, you know, so uh, another totally uh, different time of year to be playing championship football as well. Um, but so it's going to be all to play for. It's very open. It's um, you know, in the year that's in it, anyone could win it. You know, but um, you know. We're just going to be trying our best to get over Cavan in the first game and then a full focus on Cork for, for uh, Saturday week. Yeah, you, you mentioned just your league form. You, you, you got off, I suppose, of all the teams and, and the counties probably more so yourselves. The sensational start that you had to the league this year, and it's not, it's not taking too much away from it to save a sensational. You really were hitting the ground running in the National League and that was coming off like last year's group stages in the All-Ireland as well because you ran Galway close. You only lost by four points. And then you beat Westmead. Yeah. You beat Westmead, and now you obviously you ran into Dublin like everybody runs into Dublin, and it was a particularly windy day. I remember that thing in Tullamore as well. But yeah, what I like, Declan, and for yourself and Dara, you seem to build. I know you were beaten by Dublin in the quarterfinals, but you seem to build on what you achieved against Galway and Westmead, and in those Dublin games. That's three very, very good teams you played, and you were able to carry it into the league. Does that make it all the more galling? So because COVID just intervened, and you'd be you would have been hitting a real rich vein of form. Yeah, well, look at Jar. I suppose the main thing when we sat down, like we were, we were training the minors last year, and when we were beaten by Cork in the Munster minor final, um, we took a few weeks off. We were asked to go over and help out with the seniors, and um, I suppose six weeks before the Galway game, we went in and we gave them a hand, and you know we improved the fitness, the ball work, and all that. And you know, when we look back at the Galway game, we were we were flying it in the first half. We were we were put them under serious pressure like you know we, I think we were 10 points up at one stage you know mm. um, I suppose fell apart a little bit in the second half fitness wise maybe we weren't we weren't up to the standard you know of, of, of maybe where Galway were and Galway proved afterwards you know they reached North Ireland final and ran Dublin very close but in, in that stage we were just looking at Westmead really because uh, the Westmead game in Killarney was a huge game for us because if you lost that you were more than likely going to be relegated down to intermediate where Kerry didn't really want to go and I heard in the county and we were fairly new to all this really but you know we heard in the county that that's where maybe Kerry should go down to intermediate and try and win intermediate All-Ireland and build from there and you know myself and Dara wouldn't be of that opinion at all we'd be like geez that's, that's an awful attitude you know but we did hear in the county that it would be a good thing for Kerry football to go down to intermediate we, we were thinking the opposite, you know. So we did. We put in a massive performance against Westmead. Lost a few key players in the Westmead game. You know, we lost Louise. I suppose Louise, if I heard, he didn't start and was carrying a, a bad injury like even through the Galway game into the Westmead game and, and into the Dublin game. We lost Kayleigh Cronin, who started at centre-half forward and was playing around middle of the field like a cruciate injury. 
uh, you know, we had a few knocks, and then the night before the last training session against the Dublin, we against Dublin, we we lost Neve Carmody, who was playing midfield for us. She broke a bone in her foot uh, going in for the throw up in a, in a trial game just before the Dublin game. So it was, we were put to the pin of our collar, really. We went up to Tullamore expecting a performance, but nothing else. We weren't expecting really to win. But we put in a massive performance that day against Dublin, and um, I suppose we took over fully then after that. Um, you know, and we just put in massive work into into November, December, and we really hit the ground running when the when the league started in January, and we got off to a great start. Uh, the fitness levels were very, very good. We we brought in new players, we brought in minors that we had when we were training the minor team, and you know it was a lovely freshness. So we brought, we bring a good buzz to the to the to the sessions. You know, we're very very positive guys. We we want to win all the time, but we want to look after our girls too and make sure that they're enjoying what they're what they're doing and enjoying their football. And I think we, we've kind of succeeded in that. They responded very, very well to us. And we got off to a great start. And we had the five, first five games won. And that was our, our goal, really, was to meet, reach the League 2 final and to, to, win, to win Division 2 and get promoted. So when we were told that the whole thing was going to be called off, we were really, really disappointed, to say the least. I barely spoke to my wife and kids for <laughs> a couple of days when I heard it afterwards. So um, we were we were gutted. We knew the, we knew the reason why. You know, I mean, you you know, obviously the the whole pandemic and everything, and the LGFA were trying to keep the players safe and everything. But um, to this day, it's a, it's a decision I struggle with. If you see the men playing that over the last two weeks, there they've run after national leagues. Um, that was our main aim. Like we weren't we're thinking of beating Dublin or getting to an All Ireland final this year. We were just thinking of getting out of Division Two, so we could start competing with Dublin and Cork and Galway and the Mayos in Division 1 from next year on. So it's a bit of a setback for us that we will be competing in Division 2 again next year. But look, that's what's going to just have to happen, you know. And we'll have to try and get out of Division 2 next year as well. And Division 2 is fiercely competitive. Like, you have a very good Armagh team there. Monaghan, have Cavan, you know, they're, they're fierce, good teams. Mead are playing very, very good football. And we're in Division 2 this year as well. And we're playing very, very well as well. So, you know, it's going to be ultra competitive Division 2 again next year. Um, something that we'll be very much looking forward to. But um, I suppose, look, that was our main goal for this year. Um, it's not going to happen. We're not going to get our Division 2. So I suppose we're going to have to turn to the All-Ireland Series, looking at Cavan, really, really doing our work on Cavan and trying to get over that. And then um, if we do happen to beat Cavan, then it's, it's going to be a massive, massive. It's going to be a long All-Ireland final for us versus Cork, you know, mm-hmm. because if we beat Cork, then we're, we're going through all the group. Um, and it's as simple as that, you know. I mean, it's it's... it's like the Munster final and all Ireland final that day, it's nearly winner takes all at that stage. Yeah, and I, I guess one of the things that, that that's coming through from even listening to you there, Declan, and one of the things I think a lot of people took on board as soon as as yourself and Dara got fully involved, and that's why I kind of went back to that Galway and Westmead group, um, those group matches last year because it was around that time you got involved. You've clearly raised the standards, or you've raised the expectations, shall I say, not the standards, and the players have clearly responded. With that in mind, um, things are being taken a lot, are being taken seriously when it comes to ladies football. And Kerry, your reaction to today's news that players will now finally receive mileage as part of the group stages of the 2020 All-Ireland Championship, um, considering over 90% of female inter-county players never got that um, travel allowance or expenses ever. It's a step in the right direction, I would, you would, I would imagine you'd agree with. And how much of the standards improved off the pitch for Kerry ladies football over the last 12, 24 months? Yeah, it's 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 definitely been has improved. You know, I mean, Sean Walsh in the background there is doing massive work. I mean, Sean has huge experience being the the, the men's county board chairman for years. There, when I was playing and we were winning all Ireland, Sean was the man behind the scenes, the chairman. 
he was in the Munster Council. He's now the chair, chairman of the, the Kerry Ladies here. And, you know, he secured a base for us in Kearns and the Centre of Excellence in Kearns. So, you know, the girls were in there. They were using the gym. They had their gym times in there. They had, we had our pitch in there. We had the dress to run the dressing rooms, everything. We had our own slots. We had our own side of the Centre of Excellence that we were using. And that was just a huge, huge plus. Um, we were having our food there. We were, you know, having our physio there, everything. It was really, really good. Um, it was just like the guards were so happy, you know. Before that, it was very much like where are we training tonight, what side of the county are we on, what make preparations to get here or there and everywhere. So, we had Carnes as a base, which is fairly central in the county as well. Unfortunately, since we've come back training in September, Carnes is no longer available to us because they have been doing up three of the four pitches that are there. And that's fair enough, you know, and the whole COVID situation, everything, we wouldn't have been using the gym or the dressing room that much anyway. And, you know, obviously the Kerry men are, are based there and, um, you know, the Kerry of the 20s and so on were based there. So, you know, we kind of got squeezed out of there and that, that was fine. But uh, the clubs in the county have really looked after us. I mean, we were training there in Spa and Killarney, which is have an absolutely fantastic facility. Um, Fossa and Killarney have been also looking after us there with very good lights. And, you know, we were really club here in Tralee, Kearns Rahalis as well. So they've been very good to us and, you know, very willing to give the pitches. And, uh, you know, we, we're just so thankful for that because, you know, I know going back going back a number of years, you know, into any kind of a field, you know, that you wouldn't put cows into and uh, it wasn't good enough. So the standards have been raised. The mileage thing I see coming through today um, is absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot more to be done, I have to say, have to say you know. I mean, look, I, I just noticed a tweet there earlier on. She plays actually below in Air Oak. She's a guard uh, down in uh, Bantry and, um, you know, or in Bandon, I should say. And she's traveling over 200 kilometers you know, for a training session and not getting a penny for it. So, you know, you have to take all that those, those things into consideration. We have another girl nursing down in Cork. She's traveling back a lot. You know, the likes of Anna Galvin there, our captain, she's coming up from Derry Nan, which is as far away as any places, you know. And again, you know, they have to fill up their tanks with petrol and diesel and uh, it all comes out of their own pockets. So I think this, this announcement today that the girls will be given um, an allowance to travel to Burr, which where we're, where we're going for the first game, and an allowance to travel where we're going to meet Cork as well. It's absolutely fantastic news, you know. Um, of course, we're not allowed to use buses. Um, you know, girls that are too young to drive and we have plenty of those. We have plenty of girls that are 17 and just 18 and not used to driving on their own. You know, their parents are driving them, you know, and it's a big ask for parents to fill up the car, drive their, their daughters to the matches and not expect a penny for it. You know, I just think it's a very, very good step. It's a very positive step. Um, the girls are massively appreciated of it. I know that because we mentioned it last night and uh, their draws nearly hit the floor when they heard that they were actually going to get something for driving their own car. And uh, it came out in the media today and I think it's a very, very positive step. I think it's something that they really need to do. Whether, like you see the men, they get 50 cent a mile. I don't think the, the LGFA is going to be able to afford that. And obviously it won't. But, you know, if the government could come in with a little bit extra funding for, for, for ladies sport, um, if we can keep increasing the attendances at league matches and the All-Ireland series and the All-Ireland final, there'll be more and more money there to, to give towards the players, towards expenses, towards looking after their physio, towards uh, feeding the team, you know. Um, we've, a lot of local businesses have been very, very good to us. Like, you know, lads that I know from playing football, lads that are involved in different clubs that, have, that Dara would know has come to us and has, has helped us out with food and helped us out with a bit of sponsorship. So um, it takes a little bit of pressure off. 
we want to look after the girls as best we can. The amount of effort they put into it is absolutely humongous. Um, not only the travelling girls, but the girls all around the county, you know, and all around the country. Like, you know, there's girls travelling from UL when they're in college, they're travelling from Cork, you have a girl travelling from UCD. You know, just they're putting in a huge effort and it's all, all the expenses are coming out of their own pockets, you know, and I think it's something the LGFA need to keep doing. And, you know, if it's only something that they give out every now and again, you know, once or twice throughout the league, maybe once or twice throughout the championship and they send a couple of checks down to the girls just for travel expenses, I think it would just be, be a fantastic gesture and it would be really, really appreciated by the girls. And uh, I think it's something that really, really needs to be done. I saw a couple of tweets today and people saying, oh, we were talking about this 20 years ago and it's still the same conversation. And, you know, we really have to move on from that. We don't want to be talking about it in five or six years' time again that they're still not getting anything for, for their travel. No, it was a time. It, like, social media is, is a place to do it. It's, it's every player is on social media. Everybody sees the stuff. It's, it's awareness. Um, Jar, I, I could tell you, you know, Jar, the amount of people that didn't know the GA and the LGFA were separate organisations yeah. is, is phenomenal. Since I got involved, I'd be trying to tell people, uh, they say, what do you mean you can't get the feel? Like, I said, well, we're at LGFA. And, you know, it's a GA that has the feel. And they're looking at you going, you're not the same thing. I'd be like, no, we're not. Like, it's a totally different organisation. Even my own wife, wife who played, who's played football with, with the club below, and she's looking at me going, are you for real? Like, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, we're, we're just, it's a totally different organisation. And, you know, it's, it's something that really, really does need to be built on now. We have looked at it. It has been looked at for 20 years. Now they've acted upon it. And now it needs to be built on. And they need to, they, they need to keep on, because they get huge goodwill out of this. They need to add to this now and, and keep looking after the girls. Yep, I think you've um, I think you've spoken very honestly and very succinctly there on it, Declan. It's great to hear somebody as well with with your um, experience and with your what you've achieved in the game, being uh, being able to see see the woods from the trees on this. You're right; it's it's a fantastic step. It's only a step, and we need a lot more of them for ladies' football in the in the weeks and months ahead. Um, I'm just going to finish up by saying, I'm be, everybody here on the the Big Red Bench and Ladies Football Podcast wishes you and Dara and the squad genuinely wish you all the best against Kevin. And I'm going to have to leave it Thank at you. that then because I'm not going to go beyond that. Uh, but maybe, <laughs> depending on how the Kevin game goes, we will talk again anyway. We may talk a bit closer to the Cork match itself, or we may talk afterwards. But we yeah, will- I think, Jar. Look, if you look at it, when when Carrier's strong and a Carrier going well, it benefits Cork as well, you know, because you know. And a Kerry, Kerry looking at Cork if we're both playing well, if we're both very strong, you know, it, it brings up the notch, brings up the level. That's so we can we can match Dublin, the Galways, you know, down the line. Whereas Cork getting an easy game off Kerry every year, it's it's not good for anybody, you know. And we have we have a good strong Tipperary team coming as well, you know. I know Waterford are, are in Division One as well, so Munster is going to be very strong if we keep building on it over the next couple of years. And uh, you know, Kerry want to be up there and be and be talked about over the next couple of years heading towards the All-Irelands and things like that, you know, and we, we, we know we've a long road ahead of us in that, you know, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but um, it's somewhere we want to be and we want to be up there with the Corks and the Dublins and the Galways and um, it'd, be, it'd be a massive achievement if we could, if we could get up there and, and uh, compete with those teams. Um, I have a feeling with yourself and Dara at the wheel uh, to pardon the soccer punt deck and I think Kerry's oh, the last fellow who was at the wheel no Jordan that, that wheel came off fairly quickly <laughs> that wasn't it, that <laughs> don't give us don't give us that moniker please okay then the two of you are, I, I do I, I do genuinely believe though from um, from listening to you and reading the interviews with yourself and Dara your heads are in the right place your hearts are, be, are in it as well and you're behind it and I think I think it's clear 
the ladies football, the lady footballers in Kerry are responding to it by results and performances. We genuinely here at the Big Red Bench Podcast wish you all the best against Cavan and uh, may the best team win when it comes to the Cork and Kerry match. And let's just leave it at that. But Declan Quill, yeah, thank that's, you very, that's very it. Much. That's all we can hope for. Thank you very much, Jar. Thanks. Thank you for your time, and uh, we uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Few PROs have been as active as Cork LGFA's Peter O'Leary over the past 12 months. A constant supply of inter-county and club information has kept Cork ladies football players, supporters and the media updated throughout a COVID-affected year. The Big Red Bench caught up with Peter to get his take on Cork's upcoming clash with Kerry, plus how he has dealt with such an unexpectedly busy year. Yeah, absolutely delighted to be joined by the Cork LGFA PRO, uh, Peter O'Leary, one of the hardest working PROs I've come across in my time writing about any sport, let alone ladies football. And safe to say, coming towards the end of what has been unprecedented, unbelievable and from your point of view Peter, in terms of workload, in terms of keeping everybody up to date, even during the COVID lockdowns, can you even begin to assess the past 12 months or 10, 11 months and how it's been? Um, no, it kind of hard, I suppose, at the beginning of the year you know, there was huge excitement because it, it, it became apparent through a lot of hard work from the likes of Tracy Kennedy and, and Kevin O'Donovan that we were going to be able to play our first National League game um, at home against Westmead and the new Parky Creeve, you know, and everyone was really excited about it and there was an awful lot of work went into it. And then, I suppose, within a matter of a few weeks, the season had been shut down. And uh, it was just a very strange, it's been very, very strange because you have so many plans for throughout the course of the year and different things that you'd like to do, maybe throughout the course of the Championship in the summer. And then it all seemed like it stopped. And next thing, all of a sudden, there was talk it was restarting and it was a bit manic, but, um, you know, Ken Whelan, our fixture secretary, and, and a lot of other people did huge work to get all the, to get all the championships played off. And, of course, the girls, you can't, you can't forget the players because they are, they are a commodity at the end of the day and they, they made huge sacrifices. And um, a lot of them played maybe a lot of games in short period of time as regards to the championship where normally would be spaced out over three and four months. This year was kind of rammed into maybe seven or eight weeks due to due to the time constraints, so everyone deserves huge credit for getting them all played, you know. Yeah, like, I mean, <clears throat> in fairness to the Cork LGFA, um, and we'll come on to it in a minute, your, your, your relationship with the Camogie Association here in Cork is quite positive and quite good and has worked quite well, yeah. maybe not elsewhere. And we, but I, I just phoned Peter in the middle of the first lockdown and even into the second one, you were still churning out information via the social media channels, you were keeping people engaged, you were keeping people updated, how important, and all goes without saying, but how useful was social media during that lockdown for you, for the board, and for the players? I would like to think it was it was hugely informative for people because that was the idea behind it. Because I suppose you, like you know, I I moved back home to 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 my hometown in West Cork and Castlemaine, so you're you're fairly isolated being that far west. So I just felt it was you know I wasn't going to be the only one that was isolated from maybe people that I would normally have dealings with daily and weekly with ladies football and it was the same for a lot of a lot of players and a lot of people so I just felt it was important to to put out as much as we could on social media you know and we I suppose we trolled through a lot of stuff and I suppose maybe stuck my neck out to a few people and Mickey Quinn from from Leeds from Lanford the footballer gave us a lot of help with different um, drills and things like that and Kieran Kilkenny from Dublin and you know people were, were brilliant and like um a lot of the clubs were doing their own were doing their own competitions and it was just simply a case of putting all these things out and you know you were trying to get as much info as you could and 
there's a lot of very good people working in Jigsaw, the, the youth mental health care um, group, and you know they've given us a lot of information for for younger people who might have been struggling and missing their friends, and it's probably no difference this time. Even though the lockdown maybe is is planned to be a shorter period of time, it's probably a bit harder, I think, because of the fact that you know time has changed and the evenings are are, are a lot shorter than what they were, and the weather's not as good. So you know you'd be hoping that people will be okay, but. Hopefully the live games will continue and it's it's a great source of, I think, of enjoyment for people at the weekends. And I know people have opinions on whether the game should go ahead or not. Um, but I think from a social side aspect of it for people, I think it's, it's, it's very important at the weekends. But obviously you just want to make sure that the players in question, both male and female, are, are going to be looked after and going to be, are going to be healthy by, by playing them, you know. And that's the key. I think everybody is happy that they're played, Peter. It's just as long as it's done safely. But you know, from the board's point of view, just the amount of work and effort. I'm thinking of the county finals this year and the club finals where they were played and uh, the lengths that you had to go to to ensure that everything was done correctly on the day. And it, it did on each of the county finals that I would have covered. Um, there, there was a massive amount of time and effort in the background that people don't necessarily see. They read the match reports, they see the cup, the trophy, the fixtures afterwards. But from a logistical point of view and from the board's point of view, just how much effort went in to making sure that CIT, for example, where a lot of the county finals were staged, was ready, COVID ready? Yeah, in fairness to the, to the group in, in CIT, the, to, um, to Norman and the lads who look after the pitch, the place was, was fantastic and they were very, very good to us as, as they are every year. Um, as we asked to the work rate or the workload that went into for the finals, I mean, the weekend of the senior final, we had the... Uh, the senior B final on the Friday night in, in Nemo and we had um, the junior D final in, as a curtain raiser and the two of them you, you commentated on for us and then we had the, the senior final which the examiner very kindly live streamed and you know the amount of work that went in behind the scenes just to get to get things ready and to get things right for that was was huge Um, you know there was a couple of evenings when you go home and you'd be wondering why are you doing it but then you know I, I drove home on the, on the Saturday evening after the after the senior final, you drove back to West Cork, you know, and you were just, you were, I suppose, in one way, you were relieved that everything went off so well and that, you know, COVID-wise, obviously all the boxes were ticked and everyone was healthy and looked after. But I suppose, like, the games and the standard of the football that was played was was massive. And, um, you know, the Junior D final, which you commentated on, which I was lucky enough to ref, um, was a fantastic game of football and the standard of it was, was huge. And I suppose, you know, we I think all of our 11 adult county finals this year, we got them streamed live, which was, um, it just shows the, the, the amount of popularity that there is in the ladies game. I mean, Klein, who won the last mm. uh, county final that we played, um, are only just formed at adult level. Obviously, they're doing Trojan work at underage, but at adult level, this was our first year and they, they kind of formed a, a, an adult team as part of the 2020 chapter. And um to win a county final and I know from speaking to people who were there they got an unbelievable reception when they came home that evening to the village and if you look at the I suppose you'd say the grade if you as you said if you saw the, the report on the paper you think uh, you know that the grade was very low down but like you try and tell that to the crowd from Klein because I mean winning that final was as much as important to them as, as, as West Cork winning the senior um, and it may be even more so important because it's something for their young players to keep aspiring to know and to keep playing and they get to play in a higher grade next year. And I think you, you can't underestimate what what those finals mean to those to those clubs and perceived and so-called small clubs. They're they're just as important as, as the Monabies and the the Vals and the, the West Cox and all these other clubs that are playing senior, you know. 
you mentioned the streaming of all this year's finals and like it was done at, at various levels and by various people, but how important was the examiner putting it out on a national stage, that senior final between Martin Abbey and West Cork, which turned into a thriller? How important, first of all, was it that it went, I mean, you, you've explained how it went ahead, but the, the boost that ladies football and Cork got from that and, you know, is, is something you'd like to see a lot more of in the future? Oh, yeah, I mean, look, it was huge. Um, Tony Lean, in fairness, did, did a huge amount of work behind the scenes to, to make sure that it went ahead as well. And, um, you know, we had we had a great, a great um, commentating team on the day and I suppose to, they, were, they were served up with probably the best senior final maybe in the last 10 years. Um, as regards to to future, you'd you'd love to see it um, being an annual thing. Um, I know that they they streamlined the senior camogie final as well, and rightly so because you know it's just as important that the that the girls who play the senior camogie final, the the, the courses and the, and the Inescaras and all these players that they get as much coverage as, as our girls do playing with Morn Abbey and playing with West Cork and Ahad and all these teams and the Aroke to, to four semi-finals and the other teams and um, it's huge and I suppose like going back to the to the client thing it's it's something that if our younger players can see that you know that the senior final is streamed live and please God we'll get the crowds back in, in, in the future to the games that it's something for them to aspire to as well with their clubs you know um, a home, I'm building on that then home part is it that Morn Abbey that Clonakilty and that Valley Rovers get to challenge at Munster level in, in the new year and possibly in all Ireland we don't know what that's going to happen probably doesn't look like it's going to happen at club level now but that there's a Munster championship for those clubs to look forward to in the new year again something to aim for something to look forward to well, I mean I think it's huge um, I was very privileged with my own club and eight drawers back in the in the noughties I was supposed to be involved in three or four all Ireland campaigns and they're, they're fantastic things to be involved in because I suppose the whole community in the whole area that, that the club represents gets involved and parents are involved and you have flags and buntings and you know people might say the senior inter-county players don't take any notice of it but you know I think they do when they're playing with their club and I think it's important that our that our three our three county winners at, at the grades that are allowed to go and represent us at Munster get that opportunity you know Valley Rovers who have been knocking on the door to try and win the junior A for the last number of years kind of killed you I thought who were, who were fantastic um, throughout the championship, um, I suppose. Look, once again, I was lucky enough to ref them in the, the derby game against Ross Carey, and I, I managed to come out was alive. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought they were fantastic. Their their work rate off the ball, and they have, you know, they have a mixture of, of huge experience from Martin O'Brien and Sinead O'Neill in the two all areas who were under their all Ireland club winning team back in in zero nine, I think. And um, you have some super young players then, like like Young Millie and, and Katie who were on our under fourteens last year. And then obviously you go to um, you go to Morn Abbey and I suppose, look, I, you know, I think they're a team that's a group of players who probably may not get the credit that they deserve within Cork until maybe that they finish up. Uh, I wouldn't be writing them off yet. I think there's a kick left in them, yes. Um, I think when you when you look at the, the five or six or seven, like the four sisters and Breed and, and you know, they have two Cokies and they have some fantastic footballers who... Um, I think Catherine Coakley's probably been the best club player for me in, in, in Cork Championship in the last two or three years. And, um, you know, it's, it's hugely important for them to be able to represent our club and you work hard to get that opportunity. And, and hopefully, um, I think Munster will be, will be putting out dates soon and maybe even National might, might. I think, you know, I think if they put the lead back for a week or two, um, I think no one would have any disagreement. I certainly wouldn't on a personal level. I think that the clubs are huge and I think... It's no different in the men's. I know that 
from listening to some of the interviews that have been done with some of the men's teams after they went into their various county finals, they were all very disappointed that they didn't get a chance to play in, in the club championships. And, you know, you'd be hoping that, that if National could find a couple of weeks to, to be able to play those games, knowing all fixtures might be tight, but you'd be hoping if they did that maybe they'd be able to play the semi-finals and finals. But worst case scenario, you'd be hoping that the girls would get the opportunity to, to finish out the most of the competition having started, you know. And moving on from that, from the club scene in Munster to the inter-county scene in Munster, we're entering um, uncharted waters as well in terms of senior uh, senior football in the next couple of weeks. Cork, obviously, are down to play Cavan and Kerry in, their for, in two uh, very, very important games for Evie Fitzgerald and his squad. Um, they've been doing their best amid COVID to try and get organised, just like every other county. It's a very, very difficult thing to do right now and at the minute. But your workload in terms of the club, just when the club scene was finishing, is now back on again because it's all senior. It's all, I would imagine there's quite a few demands on you in the build-up definitely to the Kerry game and the Cavan game as well, not, not just County Cavan for one minute. Um, it's wide open, this championship this year, Peter. You know from the inter-county scene, you've watched it for many years, you know as well as anyone that because of the build-up because everybody's on this more or less the same page there's no Dublin and Galway obviously will be there thereabouts and Mayo and hopefully Cork but there's no outright favourite when it comes into such an unusual championship but how important is it that Cork get off to a positive start definitely against Kerry Well I think firstly to, to go to your first point I think there's a line of form is certainly not there this year um, normally when you go into a championship season you know you'd have both your national leagues where maybe a lot of teams might be using those games for, for blooding players, but certainly the provincial championships, you know, you'd have a bit of form going into your to your All Ireland series where you'd know where, where teams kind of stand. Um this year that's that's actually obviously that's not possible. So, you know, I think the field has, has leveled off a bit. I suppose if you were to if you as you said, like Dublin, Galway, Mayo and and hopefully ourselves would be the four safe in the semi finals last year. But I mean, it's vital that that Cork get 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 a first win against Kerry, and you know Kerry wrote this weekend against Cavan, and if if Kerry beat Cavan, you know they're going into the game then with with their tails up. They have had played a championship game, and I think that can't be underestimated. Um, I know from being outside in in Cloughlin on Wednesday nights, looking at the, at the senior girls, they're they are training hard, and um, they always do. They're a fantastic bunch of players, and you know, I suppose when they pass the white line, you know, COVID or no COVID, they'll be going hell for later to, to win their championship match. And I suppose, no different to Kerry, when you see the Kerry jersey, I suppose it, it, it ups the, the ante a small bit more. Um, as regards to the workload, yeah, there's, there's a nice bit in it because of the fact of, you know, from, from sending messages to yourselves about the different scenarios now as regards to being, you know, being accredited for going to the matches and all the things that you have to do and you can't do and, you're trying your best to help out the management if they need any help, even though they've most of the boxes ticked to be fair to them. And um, there is there's a lot of work in it, but look, it'd be um, it'd be it might shorten the winter a small bit if we could get to Pro Park in December. But um, to finish on it, I certainly wouldn't be writing Kevin off. Um, I think a lot of people probably have already due to maybe results in the last couple of years where maybe they they struggled in some certain in certain games. But you know, I think that the field has leveled certainly this year as against the farm and. You know, it only takes one result to, to to knock you over this. I think if you if you lose a game that maybe you're not expecting to lose, you're in serious trouble, you know. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. And, and this is the thing that does not Kevin have nothing to lose, neither of Kerry, irrespective of the result this week. They'll be going at Cork as if they've nothing to lose, and that, that's a dangerous, dangerous place for Cork to be in. Hopefully the work has been done and hopefully they'll have enough experience to bring them through. Just to finish up, Peter, um, we talked about the workload on a PRO this year. How much 
help and support did you get from the clubs? Because I've noticed this, uh, maybe it's COVID related, maybe it's not, an increase on the social media presence of clubs. They've really taken to it. I think thanks to your promptings as well, in fairness, through the Cork LGFA, um, uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook accounts. But a lot, a lot of clubs now seem a lot more active online. They seem a lot more interested in getting their information out there. And I think encouragingly for people who can't get to their games, like short, sharp match reports, information on the players who are playing well makes a huge difference. And it has made a huge difference this year um, in covering ladies football, not just in Cork, but beyond. Have you seen that? And is it something you'd like to see a lot more of in the future? Absolutely, I've seen it. Um, I think, you know, I think I definitely picked a, a tough year to be, to be PRO in the sense that, you know, accounts of Twitter and, and stuff like that were huge this year because... Obviously, people weren't able to go to the matches, and even when they were, there was only a limited amount of people who were mainly made up of the parents. So it's it was vital for for Twitter accounts and um, for people to be able to get, as you said, short and sharp info is what you want. You don't want a big ten page report on the match. Um, as regards to the clubs, yeah, absolutely, they've done some of the clubs have done huge work um, building up the profile on Twitter. And I suppose, look, if you if you're putting stuff up in, from a club level and you know that it's going to be retweeted or, or dealt with at county level and goes on to, to the amount of followers that we have, you know, we're up to nearly 10,500 followers at this stage, which is nearly 50% up from what it was 14 or 15 months ago. So it's, you know, it's a big help. And I suppose a lot of the, a lot of the things I did during the summer, we did a lot of clubs who were doing massive work in their, in their own localities with fundraising and helping the elderly and, you know, putting offers of help out there. And it's just vital that you put those things up and that people know about it because you don't know whether it's going to help anyone, but it might help one person. You know, there might be one person who's struggling at home or there might be one person who's lonely or one person who needed a bit of help was too proud to ask because I suppose we were always too proud to ask for help. But, you know, if they saw something on Twitter and they saw that the club down the road or Mary next door or John down the road who's involved in the ladies' club is willing to help out or willing to even pick up messages, it's, it's worth every single bit of work that you put up on Twitter because at the end of the day, it's about promoting the game and promoting your players because they're your greatest commodity. Without them, you have nothing. But I think also there's, there's a human aspect to it where maybe people just, just might need help. And, you know, we all have, I suppose, people who are maybe elderly or maybe living at home and maybe struggling to struggling to, to, to go through these kind of times. And it's, it's great to be able to just put things up on Twitter and help them, you know. Um, thank you. I was going to say you don't have to answer it, if you don't to, but that's okay. Um, just finally, I mean... I mean, I, don't, I, I can't even begin to, 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 to kind of quantify or look at the amount of time and effort you've had to put in on top of working, on top of a lockdown, on top of a pandemic to keep the show on the road from the, from the county board's point of view. It's been a phenomenal effort. You've made the media's job much, much easier, and certainly coming up to the county finals. Is it something you would encourage other people within their clubs to aspire to that the PRO role is now very, very important, probably more so than ever when you consider what we've been through? And will we see you back again next year? <laughs> Uh, will you see me back? Um, we'll, we'll see. As regards to, and I leave the answer to that like that, um, I don't know. Like, I have two years of it done. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I came out of a meeting in the Rosestone Park uh, about 20 months ago, and I literally got hoodwinked into the job outside in the car park. And um, I suppose, like all good jobs, that's where you get caught as after the meeting. And um, you think you'll get away with it, and next thing you're heading to the car and you got pulled back. But um, look, I suppose it was something that I, I kind of felt was important because 
you know, we had Pat Cullity from Bright Rovers and we obviously had Father Liam who were kind of trying to do bits and pieces and helping out in the last number of years. But I thought for a county the size of Cork and for the amount of success that we had throughout all the grades to not have a PRO and to not have probably a lot of work, like a lot of a lot of info being put out on social media, I thought was, was something that we needed to rectify. Um, but like at the end of the day, you know, as a county PRO, I can still only deal a lot with what the club sent. And um, yeah, you can prompt them and you can send out as much stuff as you want and you can retweet as much things as you can. But at the end of the day, if the clubs are putting out the info there, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, as well, um, I have to say that, you know, Jackie Cahill and the ladies football was a huge help to me at the beginning because... Um, I suppose I was very, very raw, as you know yourself. I, if you asked me to do a Zoom call about 12 or 13 months ago, I probably would have been laughing at you. Um, I just, I was very raw, and I suppose I was probably the most unqualified PRO that you'd ever meet. I remember going to Limerick the first night with all the monster PROs, and, um, you know, they were kind of putting me to shame. They had laptops and computers and everything out, and I was here with my little boy on my notepad. But uh, I suppose, look, we're, we're probably coming. We're trying to learn as much as we can and as we go, and... Um, but as regards to the press, to be fair to yourselves and, and, and the rest of the lads, you know, you say that I helped you, but at the end of the day, to, at the end of the day, to, the help comes from me and, you know, you give huge coverage to the game as well and it's it's vital for, for the growth of the match that the younger players can get to see the, the older players, even in their own clubs now, because they can't really get to see them playing matches. So if they can see it on Instagram or see it on Twitter, because all the young crowd are on it, um, it's it's huge because you know the, normally you could go down to the field to watch a game, mm. but you know this year that's not even possible. And you know parents are trying to watch their kids as well, apparently. So maybe you mightn't be left even if you can. So hopefully it'll it'll pick up next year. But you know the way things are looking, you're you're probably looking at the first half of next year being something similar to this year. So uh, it might be a hard sell to try and get someone to take over the PRO's job. But sure, we'll we'll try and hoodwink someone maybe. Hoodwink <laughs> is right. Well, listen, the fact that your phone is ringing off the hook there is just proof positive of, uh, of all the work that you're still doing in the middle of all of this. On behalf of myself and uh, I think everybody, uh, men, all the men and women in the press corps in Cork and outside of it, a huge thanks for all your efforts this year because you have, as I said, made life a lot easier for us. And everyone on the big red bench says thanks as well for all the effort and uh, the information that you've put our way. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today on the uh, Ladies Football Podcast. And I have a feeling we'll be talking again in the new year, Peter Hawkeye. Thank you. Okay, thanks, sir. Thanks, many. And that's it for another Big Red Bench Ladies Football Podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, Valerie Wheeler and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m., Cork's Red FM.